Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Hi, my name is Jimmy uh, Rosas, my wife Stephanie. We are uh, good friends, like family of the Petites, right, pretty much consider them family, they consider us family. Uh, We love them. So happy for them, for what's going on here in Divine. Uh, You know, Mike's always telling me like, what's going on with the church, how it, you know, new things are happening. And and so we're just so happy for him. We're happy for them. And just so astonished by what God is doing in this place, right? And so we we just love the fact of how you can see the Lord being faithful to his people, right? As Mike and Teresa are faithful to him and how God just moves on their behalf. And it's awesome, right? So Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel chapter 2. I'll read the, the verses here and then we'll open up in prayer. The word of God says, And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, They will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, Hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we do come before you, Lord, just once again, thanking you, Father God, for this time and this opportunity. We pray that your Holy Spirit would just continue to have his free reign here, Lord God, in this place through me, Lord God. May all the words uh, that come forth from me, Lord God, be you, Father God, be your words. Just come and speak through me and guide me in all things, Lord God. I pray for every person here. I pray that we would all have receptive hearts, that our hearts would be fertile soil, Lord God, for your word to fall upon and to take root and to grow, Lord God. I pray that we would have ears, Lord God, to hear your word and not only hear it, Lord God, but Father, apply it to our lives practically, Lord God. Go put it into practice, Lord God, in our everyday living, Lord. 
So guide us and lead us, Lord God, in all things, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, book of Ezekiel. Um, he's a contemporary of, of Jeremiah. It was during the, the Babylonians and, and the Assyrians. They're attacking. They're taking, you know, the Israelites away. And so... This was all prophesied, right? And so they didn't come all in one time and took, like, take them all at one time. They were taking bits of them, right? Bits of them at a time. And so this is in between some of those attacks, right? And, and Ezekiel is actually one that got taken with them with one of the first batches. And he's there and the Lord gives him this word to, to speak to the people of Israel. But not only does God give him a, a, a word, right? If you read, and I encourage you to, to, to read this book, uh, if you haven't read it before, but chapter one deals with a vision. He has a vision. The glory of God is pretty much the theme of Ezekiel, the glory of God, just how glorious God is. And so in chapter one, he's, he's given a vision of who God is, right? And, and how God is enthroned, right? And he's, he's been given this vision, and so he sees it, and so the very last verse of chapter 1, uh, which is verse 28, 28b, which is the latter part of verse 28, says, Such was appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, and when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So it's so majestic what he sees, that Ezekiel falls on his face, right? He just in reverence, he just prostrates himself, right? He goes down. And... Uh, so I've entitled this Ezekiel's Appointment, okay? Today's teaching, Ezekiel's Appointment. I broke it up into three parts, uh, verses one through three, called to stand, uh, verses four through seven, called to speak, and verses eight through 10, called to eat. Now, not, not eat like, you know, our normal everyday food, right? This is the word of God, right? Called to eat, we're called to eat. Um, so those three, those three uh, smaller sub, sub points, right? So here we have, um, you know, Ezekiel again, like I said, it's a very interesting chapter. Um, it's awesome to go through this book as we're going through it back in our home church. Um, and so I look forward to, to hearing the different teachings because we, we take turns teaching back uh, all the all the brothers who have graduated from the school of ministry take turns teaching on Wednesdays. And so uh, it starts with Pastor Dell, and then we all, you know, so it's pretty cool. It's awesome to see how God works through every one of us. Um, but Ezekiel's appointment, right? And it's an appointment as in a calling, a commission, not to type like a dentist appointment, right? We, we can make a dentist or doctor's appointment, right? We can wait, make those. We make those. But what's up? We can break those too. We can break those appointments. We can reschedule them. We can shift them around. We can move them if need be or if we're just lazy, honestly. We don't want to get up that early. We want to schedule it later or whatever, right? We can, we can break those type of, of uh, appointments. But this is an appointment from God, right? This type of appointment of Ezekiel is a calling. It's a calling from the Lord God himself. He's called Ezekiel. He is commissioned by none other than the Lord God Almighty himself. 
And so a calling of God, when we try to run or break from it, well, we end up like Jonah, honestly, right? We end up, you know, we all remember that low point that Jonah was brought to, that he, he went to, right? And we don't need to go to that point, amen? We don't need to be brought to that point, or I hope we don't, right? But sometimes we find ourselves there in our lives. But just like Jonah, who was at the lowest point of his life, he knew that his only salvation was in the Lord. And so he trusted in the Lord and he called out to him and God raised him back up, right? God saved him. He, he rescued him from that point, right? So just like, like Jonah was able to, to call upon the Lord for his salvation, we still in this day can call upon the Lord for our salvation, to redeem us, to bring us back up, to save us, to help us, to help us get our head back out of water, right? From underwater, if that's the case right now. So here we have Ezekiel. He's commissioned. Um, and God's calling them. And when we walk with God, when we belong to God, God's going to get us where he wants us, where, he, where we will be most effective for his kingdom, right? We got to understand that God's going to get us there. God's going to get us to that point. We have to understand, we have to trust in him, knowing that he'll be with us every step of the way, okay? No matter how frightening it may seem, you know, our I don't know what I'm doing, right? Sometimes that's what, that's what comes up. But God's with us. If God has called us to do it, he's going to strengthen us. He's going to equip us to do it, right? And that's what's going on here with Ezekiel, right? He, he calls him and he's strengthening him. And we'll see in these 10 verses how he's going to um, strengthen him and help him get ready for the calling that he's telling them to go do, to go to this rebellious people and go speak to them the word of God, right? And they're not going to listen. God's telling them straight out, whether they hear you or not, whether they hear you or not, you know, get ready, get ready. They're, they're just going to turn a deaf ear to you. Get ready for being shunned. Get ready for those briars and those scorpions. Get ready for hardship. That's what's going to come, Ezekiel, but you nevertheless go and do what I'm calling you to do. I'm equipping you, I'm strengthening you, and I'm sending you out. Don't worry, I'm with you, right? For all of us who served, uh, I served in this nation's uh, military, right? For all who served in this great nation's armed services, first of all, thank you. Secondly, it was something in us, something more important in ourselves, right? It was a calling. We felt an urging to serve. There was an urging there. There was a calling there to serve in, in this nation's services, right? There was an urging there. There was a calling to something bigger than ourselves, something more important than ourselves. And so here we have Ezekiel. He was called to a ministry that was so great, so important, so sacrificing, right? But, but yet, what better call than the call of God upon his life? What better call than the call of God upon our lives? Something bigger than ourselves, right? Something so important. And it's beautiful. Ezekiel ministered to his generation as they were both exceedingly sinful and thoroughly hopeless. Let me say that again. Ezekiel ministered to his generation as they were both exceedingly sinful and thoroughly hopeless. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? This time that we're living in, sinful, hopeless, you know? You see, uh, suicide rates have skyrocketed, all kinds of stuff. Depression, 
all that stuff. Why? Because people are turning to everything but God. Only God can help through those times, in those times, in those trials. Only God can help. And I speak from experience. I've been there. I've been there at suicide's door. I've been there with those thoughts. I've been there wanting to do it, wanting to commit it. I've been there. And you know who helped me through it? God. God Almighty did. God did. He rescued me from that way of thinking. He took me away from that, from all that pain, that hurt, everything else that I dealt with. And, he, and so much more that he can help us with, right? But only God can do it. Only God can do it. And so this calling, it's awesome. It's an awesome calling. Whatever we get called for, right? Whatever it is. Praise and worship. Go start a ministry. Go start, you know, teaching. I don't know what we're all differently getting called to do, right? Or just be a prayer warrior. I don't know. We don't know. I don't know. But you know. We need to ask God, Lord, help me. Help me. Strengthen me. Equip me, right? Just like Ezekiel here as we get into this word here. So Ezekiel ministered to this generation. Uh, he never quit. He never quit. He served in his calling. But first he had to be reminded of who had called him. He had to be strengthened. He had to be equipped. In chapter 1 of Ezekiel, God gave him a vision to remind him of who was calling him. It was a sort of fresh and living encounter with the Lord God. A fresh and living encounter with the Lord. How many times do we need that? I dare say just about every day. Just about every day. Lord, may I encounter you this morning, tomorrow morning. Lord, maybe that'll be my prayer, hopefully, right? Lord, may I encounter you this morning right now for today. Because you know what? I encountered you yesterday, and that was for yesterday. But I need you all over again today. I need a fresh revelation of you. I need a fresh appointment with you today, Lord. I need, I need to be in contact with you. I need to be in touch with you for today, Lord. Help me today, right? Yesterday's prayer is good, but I need to pray today, right? And so Ezekiel, he was uh, given this vision by the Lord to remind him of who was calling him, the great and almighty one, right? Who was calling him? And so I encourage you, beloved, may we be reminded of who has called us. Who has called us? Because honestly, we tend to forget sometimes. We tend to forget his power, how awesome he is, how great he is. Maybe we remember it on Wednesday nights. Maybe we remember it on Sundays. But during the week, we tend to forget. Something comes and hits us, and we forget that great and powerful God. It's just a sad truth, but we need to be reminded of who has called us. And so Ezekiel had to be reminded of who had called him. So may we, as we read and study this chapter, and I encourage you to read and study this book, may we receive a fresh perspective of the Lord and enjoy a living encounter with our Father God, right? I pray that that, that, that would be what we could gain and gather out of this chapter as we get into this here. So verse 1 has Ezekiel being called to stand to his feet, right? Because as I shared uh, back in chapter 1, verse 28, he had fallen upon his face at the vision of God. And so in chapter 1, uh, Ezekiel saw. Now here in chapter 2, he hears, right? He hears what? The voice of God. And he calls him and he tells him, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. 
So son of man is the title God uses to address Ezekiel throughout the book 93 times. In the Hebrew culture, son of X, right? Son of fill in the blank meant membership in the class or in this case, a representative of humanity. And that's why in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is called what? The son of man, because he's the ultimate representative of mankind, of humanity, right? And praise God for that. Praise God that he's the sinless representative of, hum of mankind. So here we have Ezekiel. He's being called son of man because he's a representative of Israel, right? Of humanity here. So son of man identifies and stresses Ezekiel as a human creation before his transcendent God, thus highlighting the proper humility and dignity of the servant before his almighty God. That's why he was, he reverenced the Lord. He knew his place before God. He fell to his face in chapter one, right? And then God calls him up. God tells him, son of man, stand up, right? Stand on your feet and I will speak with you. God is calling him to stand to his feet. This reminds me of Luke 14, 11, where the word of God says, For everyone who exalt, exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Ezekiel humbled himself, and God lifted him up. God called him up, right? Of course, that parable spoken by Jesus is to be taken as a whole, right? With the lesson being of being humble and exalted by our Lord, rather than exalting ourselves and being humble. Right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to be in that, that position. We want to be more like Ezekiel here, where he humbled himself and the Lord calls him up, stands him up, picks him up, right? So the Hebrew word here for stand is amad, amad, which in this tense means to be in a standing attitude, stand forth, take a stand, present oneself, Okay. So servants, when it is time to serve, stand in the presence of their masters. Servants don't sit while waiting upon the master. If the master comes into the house, the servants are not like just sitting back in the eye. It's over there. Get it yourself. No, they stand up and they're there. They're ready. We walk into a restaurant. Waiters, waitresses, they, they come willingly waiting upon us. They don't just sit there. I mean, if they do, we probably leave that restaurant. But they don't just sit there in the corner and they... The water's over there, get it yourself. The drinks are over there. No, they, they wait upon us, right? And so in a, bigger, um, in a bigger way, right, with us being servants of God, we should be humble before him, wait for him to call us up or lift us up, and then serve him. Serve him in every way that we possibly can. How? By standing before him, by being ready, at the ready. Whatever he says goes, right? Being at the ready, ready to serve him. All right. And then as we continue, uh, verse two, and he says, and as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. So as in everything, God calls us, gives us the will to answer. And then once we have that will, he gives us the strength to act out the calling. And then he continues to empower us throughout our walk. So it was no different for Ezekiel. Verse two reads, that as God spoke with Ezekiel, his Holy Spirit entered Ezekiel and set him on his feet. In Hebrew, the word for the phrase, set him on his feet, translates into to appoint, ordain, establish, set, or to station. 
Now, I know being in the armed services, we got stationed wherever we were told to. And whether we liked it or not, we served. <laughs> we served there. Hot, cold, whatever. We served there. You know, six months, a year, multiple years. We served there. But here, the Lord is setting him up. He's ordaining him. He's establishing him. He's stationing him. He's stationing Ezekiel to, to go and do this work, right? So this is the first of several times that the Holy Spirit would lift Ezekiel up throughout the whole book here. And various other times he would empower him for special tasks. So in your reading and studying of this book, be on the lookout for the phrases, the Spirit entered me and the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me. I want to encourage you to look out for those phrases in the book. Uh, it was vitally important for Ezekiel to stand before the Lord and listen to his words so that he could be empowered to be an instrument of salvation to his fellow kinsmen. To his fellow kinsmen, right? He had to be that instrument of salvation. In our lives, we are that instrument of salvation to the people that we encounter. And we need to be strengthened by God. We need to know who has called us. We need to know who has saved us. It, it, it's good to know that we're saved. It's good to know, you know, that, 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 that God is good. But we need to know the Father intimately. We need to know Him. We need to have that, that daily communication with Him. To be strengthened by Him. To be led by Him, right? It's vitally important. Just like it was vitally important here for Ezekiel. To stand before the Lord and listen to his words. To be empowered by, by God himself, right? And so Ezekiel was not going to be able to accomplish the calling upon his life in his own strength. We know that, right? We know we're not going to, I'm not going to be able to do the calling that the Lord has called me to do without God in my life. Without me seeking God, I can't do this. I know that. I know that. And so Ezekiel... He wasn't going to accomplish the calling, right? So Ezekiel, of course, didn't know exactly how he was going to complete the task set before him. But he recognized the best position for him was before his God and in his word. Amen. He recognized that. He recognized that the best position, the best place that he could possibly be was before God and in his word. Right. And to be stationed before the almighty. To be stationed before God, right? To be set before him, to be in front of God, to be before God, right? That was the best possible place Ezekiel could be. And in our lives, that's the best possible place we can be with our God. With our God. I don't know about y'all, but if you remember your, your life before Christ, my life was horrible before Christ. I mean, yeah, I had my ups and downs. I do understand that. Good and bad, but it was mostly a lot bad. A lot of it brought on by myself. But since Christ, since giving my life to Christ, I wouldn't trade one day of this new life in Christ for, that, for all those years back then. I wouldn't. It's just so much better, man. It's so much better. There's no better place to be stationed than before God, before the Almighty, amen? And as we continue here, verse 3, and he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. So at this time, there was still some sort of kingdom in Judah, and a temple still stood in uh, Jerusalem. 
the Babylonians hadn't totally destroyed the temple yet, nor carried away all the Israelites. So between the attacks of the Assyrians and now the Babylonians, the people of God were scattered across the land, right? They're scattered all over the place. Some of them were taken, some of them were in exile, some of them were captives, and the rest of them scattered throughout the land, trying to get away from the big city so they wouldn't be captured, right? Just spread out everywhere. Spread out everywhere. And uh, this is the people that God has called Ezekiel to go with this message, right? And a prophet's primary function was as a messenger of God. That's a prophet's primary function, right? So this was no easy calling. A prophet could be put to death for wrongly or misleadingly bringing the word of God to the people. We can find that in Deuteronomy 18.20. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So that's, that's word from God right there, right? For false prophets. So there was no tolerance for false prophets according to God's word. All right? We understand that. We know that. But the problem was that the heart of man had ceased from seeking God. And thus many accused true prophets of God of being a false prophet. As in Jeremiah 43 too. They were, they were calling him a liar. They were saying, no, you, God didn't give you those words to speak. Right? And I'm paraphrasing, of course. But... Um, so Jeremiah 43, 2, that's where they're calling uh, a prophet, Jeremiah, a false prophet, right? But it was why. It wasn't because he really was a false prophet. It's because their hearts were turned from God. Their hearts were turned from God. And then in, in other instances, they were hated. The prophets were hated, as stated by the king of Israel in 1 Kings 22, 8. And, and there in that verse, the king says, I hate him, speaking of the prophet. I hate him. He always speaks bad against me. <laughs> he's speaking the word of God. He's speaking the word of God. There's no way he's going to change it. A true prophet won't change the word of God. What for? God tells you to speak what he's, going, what he's telling you to speak. Just like he's telling Ezekiel here. Right? So notice the phrase nations of rebels. It's plural. I didn't catch that the first time I read this. Right? But he says... I send you to the people of Israel to nations of rebels, right? To nations of rebels. It's plural. It's referring to the two separate nations of Israel and Judah. Remember, they had, they had broken apart, right? They each had a king. And so he's calling, the Lord is telling them, I'm sending you to the nations of rebels. They're all rebels. One wasn't better than the other. They're all rebels, right? I send you to those nations of rebels. Um... So the nation of Israel and Judah, which was the whole nation of Israel, right? So interestingly, though, here, the Hebrew word used for nations here is goyim. Goyim, which was used to describe non-Hebrew nations. And that should really stand out to us because God is saying because of their hearts, because of their actions, I cannot tell them apart. I cannot tell my people apart. From these heathen nations. I can't tell them apart. The way they're acting. The way they're living. I can't tell them apart. It's as if they're all the same. And he uses the word goyim for it. Meaning. You know. Uh, when it's talking about other nations. And that's what he's calling. Israel here. This rebellious nation. He's calling them goyim. 
And so I just wanted to share that because it really uh, magnifies the scripture here where there is a deep-seated trait of rebellion, right? The, the word of God there says that the fathers, they and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. There's a deep-seated trait of rebellion there. Fathers, the fathers have, the grandfathers have, the fathers, the father, right? The descendants all the way back for, for, for years have transgressed against the Lord. And we know that this means generations back have transgressed, have transgressed against me to this very day. It wasn't learned so much by the younger generation, right? It was to a point, but it wasn't so much that it was learned by the younger generation. It was taught, it was passed down, and it's quite simply, the younger generations, when they would act out, they were never corrected. When their children were erring, the fathers never, never corrected with the word of God, according to the word of God. And so they allowed it in the very real sense. They allowed that rebellion. They allowed that sin to come seep in because they didn't do anything to correct it. A lot of it was taught, though. They did teach, you know, wrong things, wrong beliefs. But a lot of it was also that they didn't, they didn't correct their children, right? And so we see that um, as, he, as he calls them a rebellious house. Um, as we continue there, it says... The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Um, in verse 5 also, And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among you. So verse 4 speaks of how the people are impudent and stubborn in their sin. Impudent means contemptuous, cocky, boldness, Disregard of others, lacking modesty, brash, brazen, insolent, sassy, stubborn means determined to not change one's attitude or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Sounds pretty familiar, right? They were proud in their sin. They wore it as a badge of honor. The sort of attitude where they would lie to your face, right? It's very important here for Ezekiel to remain focused on God and his word and the calling, the appointment of his Lord upon his life. And then it's as if God is reminding him, it will not be your words, but my words, Ezekiel. It will not be your words, my words, Ezekiel. Not your words, my words, Ezekiel, right? He's telling you, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. Remember that when we are prayed up, read up, when we are humble before the Lord, when we make ourselves available to God, it is God's word, it is God's power, it is God flowing from us and through us, amen? We got to remember that at all times. I'm scared, I don't know what to say. Are you prayed up? Don't worry about it. Are you read up? You're good. Trust in God. Open your mouth and let him speak. All you got to do is make yourself available. That's all you got to do. Make yourself available. Position yourself before the Lord. Station yourself before God. Make yourself available. And God will work. And God will move through you. All he needs is someone who's willing. Someone who's willing to be that instrument. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. 
I'm not the tallest, right? I'm not the brightest, but here I am. Here I am. And that's all he needs. That's all he needs. He just wants someone with a willing heart, amen? And that's what he had here in Ezekiel. That's what he had here in Ezekiel. And then the phrase and, uh, that begins verse 5, it's not a phrase that shows God's inability to know something, right? Verse 5 says, and whether they hear or refuse to hear, it's not like God didn't know. God knew they weren't going to listen. But why is he saying that? Why is he throwing that in there? To calm Ezekiel down. To calm Ezekiel down. Whether they hear or refuse to hear Ezekiel, you keep saying the words that I told you. Right? For they are a rebellious house. Thus says the Lord. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, they will know that a prophet has been among them. So the phrase that begins verse 5 is not a phrase that shows God's inability to know something. And whether they hear or refuse to hear... God knows the power of his word and that it will be set out to do what it has been set out to do amongst an open heart. This isn't God hoping in, con in conversions, right? Like, oh, I hope, I hope, Ezekiel, when you go out there that you, you say my words and I hope for them to turn. No, God, that's not God, right? He's not hoping. He knows what's going to happen. He knows they're hard-hearted, Okay. It's for Ezekiel's sake, right? This isn't God hoping in conversion, but it's more for Ezekiel to know and to have assurance in the work he is doing. You know, let me elaborate a little bit, right? We tend to want to see lives given to Christ, right? Who doesn't want to see that? When I'm, when I'm teaching, when I'm sharing, you know, give an altar call, no one comes. You know, there's a part of me that's like, oh, but... It's God. It's God doing the work. Amen. It's God's work. We're doing the work. But I know when we share, when we share with people, I know we want to see them like give their life to God right then and there. Right. Or if we share with someone, we want to see that light bulb, so to speak, go off. Right. Like, oh, I get it now. And we want to see something. Right. We, we do. We're human. We want to see something. And when we don't, we tend to be like, oh, it didn't do nothing. Oh, it was for nothing. We tend to be like that. And, and so God's getting Ezekiel ready. Hey, whether they hear or not, you do what I called you to do. Whether they hear or not, you do what I tell, called you to do. Whether they move or not, you do what I called you to do, right? He's telling them. He's getting them ready. So I just wanted to throw that in there because, you know, we want to see people move like when we were moved. Like when I first came to Christ, I want to see people respond like that, right? And it's like we're all different. We all take different times right i was first introduced to christ at about the age of 15 i didn't come to christ to the age of 25 you know so how can i expect someone to drop everything and just i mean they can and they will sometimes they do but a lot of times they don't right so should that put me like oh man it didn't do anything no the word of god is powerful it is working and so he just had to kind of like pep talk Ezekiel, right? Like, hey, whether they hear or not, you keep going. Whether they hear or not, you keep going, okay? You keep going, Ezekiel. And so he tells them that, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. So the, that phrase, rebellious house, is used over a dozen times uh, in the book here. The rebellious house literally meaning house of rebellion, and they are no longer called the house of Israel. Wow. No longer called the house of Israel, they're called a rebellious house. 
So if they heard or did not hear the message that God had given to Ezekiel, the message was never to change. That's another thing. We don't see change in people's hearts. We kind of want to tweak the word. Maybe add to it. Maybe take away from it. Oh, that's kind of harsh sounding. I won't share that. No. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. God called Ezekiel to share the word and all of it. Leaving nothing out, putting nothing in. What God gave him, that's what he was to share, right? And that's how we're to do in our lives, amen? The message is never to change. Never. Salvation is only found in Christ Jesus. Never add anything to that or take anything away from that. It's all about Jesus. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So Ezekiel as a messenger was not to change the words of the message, but to trust in it no matter how hated, disliked, or disapproved the people were with him. By being true to the message, the sign of a true prophet was the fulfillment of the spoken words. And in this manner, the people would know that Ezekiel was a prophet. Years later, when what he was crying out about, when he was bringing to their attention the word of God that God had given him to, to share with them, years later, when it would come to pass, they'd be like, oh, that was really a word from God. That was really a prophet. That was really a messenger of God. And sometimes that's what will happen. Right? But all we got to do is plant that seed. Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Maybe we're watering it. Who knows? Maybe it's been planted before. Plant it or water it. Do whatever God has called us to do, whether it's planting or watering. But do the work that God has called us to do. Just do the work that God has called us to do. We don't see the increase. We don't see the increase. But we trust in the word. We trust in God and we trust in the word. Amen? We trust in that. The people would then know two things. That God, right, when they late years later, when they would see the word come to fruition, when they would see it come to pass, the people would know two things. That God in his infinite mercy had extended that mercy to them and given them plenty of warnings and time to change and that they themselves were at fault and no one else. They themselves were at fault they had no excuse as to why they had been impudent and stubborn. They would see those two things in their lives, right? Verse 6 says, And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Now in the Bible, when God tells us to not be afraid, because he knows we're going to be afraid. When he tells someone to not be afraid, it's because they're afraid, right? We know that. And so he's telling Ezekiel here, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the words. They're going to tell you some hard stuff, right? They're going to yell stuff at you, call you names, whatever, mock you, blah, blah, blah. They're going to give you some harsh looks, right? Oh, what's he looking at? Why is he looking at me like that, right? They're going to give you some harsh looks. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the briars and the thorns. Don't be afraid you know, of the scorpions, how, how all those things feel, right? So verse 6 is directly addressed to Ezekiel. God pretty much bookends it with, be not afraid. The Lord tells Ezekiel a very necessary tool for ministry. Ready to learn this important tool? Don't be afraid, <laughs> right? Don't be afraid. 
Very important in our walk, in our lives, as we walk with the Lord. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God calls you to do something, do it. God will make a way. Even though it doesn't look like it can, right? Like it can happen or will work in our lives. God will make a way. God will make a way. Trust. Start putting that one foot in front of the other. And God will bring it. God will bring it together. I know he will, right? I've seen it so many times in my life. So the Lord tells Ezekiel, do not be afraid. Don't fear. He tells them to not be afraid of the people nor of their words. In the book of Judges 8, 7, uh, Gideon said, well then, when the Lord has given Ziba and Zalmunna into my hand, I will flail your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And in Judges 8, verse 16, and he took the elders of the city and he took thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them taught the men of Succoth a lesson. So he whipped them, pretty much, with these, these thorns and briars, right? That's what's going on back there in Judges with Gideon. And so God is telling Ezekiel, hey, if this happens to you, don't be afraid of it. Whether it's just their words that feel like that, ooh, ah, right? They sting like that, or whether they're going to physically actually come at you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Right, And though they may actually use briars and thorns, or if just in their actions, it may feel like such, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed by their looks. Looks that can feel even worse than words. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Words, those looks that can feel worse. Right? And it's usually from loved ones. Because family can always hurt us worse than anyone else. Whether they tell us something because they know something that we're going through or something that, that we've done or whatever, right? Or well, what about that time, Jimmy? Right? Family knows how to hurt us. Family does. Or just like, you know, grandma's look upon me when I would do something wrong. And that's all she had to do is like stand there, hand on hips, you know, and just look at me with her head cocked sideways, you know? And like, tears, you know, because oh, I disappointed grandma. I disappointed grandma. And it felt so bad to know that I disappointed grandma. It felt so bad. Right? But, but here he's talking about the words that these people are going to be telling Ezekiel. Remember, these are his kinsmen. Maybe even family in some, some parts of it. Right? These are his kinsmen. They're going to be telling him, you're not real. You're, God didn't send you. They're going to be telling him all kinds of hurtful things. And don't be dismayed by their looks. Looks that can feel even worse than words. Scorpion stings are worse than briars and thorns. Briars and thorns scratch and tear at a person. People can continually tease at and try to entangle God's messengers. We see that today, right? Still going on. In Matthew twenty-two fifteen, the word of God reads, Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. This, speaking of Jesus, the Pharisees were trying to always plot. What can we say? What can we ask them that's going to make them trip and fall? Can't. We couldn't. Never could have. But people will try that. People that act as such only bring pain, sorrow, grief, and confusion. Micah 7.4. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright of them a thorn hedge. The day of your watchman, of your punishment, has come. Now their confusion is at hand. So worse than a thorn in your hand is a sting from a scorpion. And in this way, Ezekiel will be hurt with the wounds of known people, friends, family. 
These are the most hurtful wounds. As I was saying earlier, these are some of the most hurtful type of wounds we can get. People that we think are friends, people that are family, people that are, are known to us. Those are some of the worst wounds we can receive. God reminds him to not be afraid of them or of their words or of their looks because they are a rebellious house. They are a rebellious house, Ezekiel. John 15, 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. We have to remember that. We have to remember that they hate the Lord in us. They hate God. It's not so much us. They hate who we stand for. They hate who we live for. We have to understand that and trust and just call upon the Lord at times like that. Does it hurt? Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Remember, my wife and I first coming to Christianity, first coming to Christ, shunned by, I don't even have time to get into it, shunned by all our family. It was crazy. It's crazy. Couldn't even go to their house because be like trying to talk to the wall. It it was nuts. It was nuts. Thank God, things have changed and you know they've come around. You know, but it was it was rough. It was really rough. Verse seven. And you shall speak my words to them, whether to hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. So verse seven almost repeats verse five. Once again, God is treating the Judean nation as a whole, calling them a rebellious house, stressing their deeply ingrained desire for rebellion. Once again, God calls Ezekiel to be true to his message, to his word. Ezekiel, as a prophet, had to be surrendered to the Lord, even if the people were not, especially if they were not. Speak to whom I have called you to go speak to. Ezekiel is to be the model of submission to God for all of Israel to see. Think about that. Ezekiel is is to be the model of submission to God for all of Israel to see. We in our life, we are to be those models of submission unto the Lord so that all others can see. We need to understand that. Don't ever be dismayed in your lives of being that godly example, amen? Be encouraged, trust in God, remember his word. Verse 8, but you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. So in verse 8, God will give Ezekiel something to eat without telling him what it is. God simply tells him, do not, to not be rebellious like that rebellious house. So Ezekiel took it without question, right? After telling him to not be rebellious, God immediately challenged Ezekiel's obedience by telling them to do something unusual. God's servants should receive God's word as if they actually eat it. We should receive God's word as if we could actually eat it, amen? There should be no question in our obedience to God's commands. There should be no delayed obedience. For those of us that are married here, try going home and, and going to your spouse and saying, close your eyes and open your mouth, I'm gonna give you something to eat. You know, we'd pro- none of us would probably trust each other. You know, be like, why? What is it? What do you got behind your back? Right? We, we would question probably pretty much. But here Ezekiel isn't questioning God at all. Not, he, not one bit. He doesn't even hesitate. Amen? He doesn't even hesitate to, to ask or anything. Just He's going to do what God has called him to do. Right? And so there should be no question in our obedience to God's commands. Amen? There should be no delayed obedience. 
And then verse 9 here says, And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. So the hand, um, coming from chapter 1, there was angels and cherubim there. And so the hand being a cherubim's hand or the Lord's hand from the vision isn't explained, nor is it really worthy of an argument. Uh, what is important is the scroll. That's the focal point, right? The scroll. This scroll contained a book or a letter written upon it, much like the scroll handed to John in the book of Revelation. And, and I love the use of the word behold here in verse 9, um, just like they use it in the book of Revelation. It is used in the same manner as in the book of Revelation by John, where he says, behold, behold. It's kind of like when you're in mid-sentence and you're like, but wait, let me tell you something. And you get a little louder, right? And people are like, what? Like you get their attention, uh, you know, after already having their attention, you know? They're like, yeah, man, they were way behind in the game. You know, it was 48 to, to 35. But hey, but let me tell you something. You know, and you're like, you get their attention all over again. Let me tell you, but behold, they came back and they won, right? So it's kind of like that. Kind of be, it's kind of used in that manner. Behold, right? Behold. It is used here in Ezekiel and in Revelation as listen up or hear this. Pay attention. Hey, check this out. Behold, right? Two very important details, right? A scroll was being handed and a book was written upon the scroll, right? And as we finish up with uh, verse 10, and he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and back and they were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. So like that scroll in the book of Revelation, it was a two-sided scroll or written on both sides. This is significant because this was not common practice. It was usually just one-sided and rolled up, right? This is unusual. It's not common, common practice. Having writing on both sides means that it was complete. Nothing to be added nor anything to be left out. Ezekiel is instructed to eat the scroll. He is called to feast on the word of God, whether sweet or bitter, in this case, bitter, correct? Just as we are called to, to, to devour this word of God, to eat this word, all of it in its entirety, from Genesis to Revelation. Oh, I don't like that part too much. It's okay. Take it. Take it. It's for our betterment, or it's for us to have, to be able to share with someone. But we need to have it all. We need to have it all, right? Even the vegetables of it. Oh, I don't like those. Oh, nah, we've got to even eat those. Even the lima beans. What are those I don't like? Yeah, those things. Even those part of it, right? Oh, hold my nose and eat them, or, or whatever we got to do, right? We've got to devour all the word of God, amen? All the word of God. So it was a harsh word to receive, this one was for Ezekiel. It was a harsh word for him to receive. I mean, how many of us would like to know that, hey, we're going to go get called to go do something and no one's going to listen to us. Just like Jeremiah. No, they're not going to listen to us. They're just going to call us names. They're going to hate us. They're going to want to kill us. Oh, sign me up. Yeah, none of us would want to sign up for that. But here God is calling Ezekiel to do just that. To do just that. Right? Nevertheless, Ezekiel had that appetite. He did. He had that appetite, right? Because he didn't even question. He didn't even question. He's ready to devour whatever it is that God's going to give him. Right? Nevertheless, Ezekiel had that appetite, that hunger for God's word in such a manner that he was willing to ingest any and all of God's word. Sweet, bitter, encouraging, correcting, for all of God's word is profitable. 
Amen? All of God's word is profitable. And Ezekiel knew he was going to need it. He knew he was going to need it to do the calling that God had called him to do. To, to stand at his station that God had put him at, that had appointed him to be in. Amen? So let's pray here as we close. Just want to encourage us uh, from this chapter here. May we encounter God and his word in a fresh new way every day. You know, if that's you today, if you need a, you just need a touch from God today. Like, you know what? I've had a rough time of it, Lord. I've had a rough Wednesday, a rough week, a rough year. I don't know. I know we've had, we've all had rough times. But if that's you today, you need that fresh encounter. God's here. God's here. God's ready. God's ready to, to, to do business with you. May we allow God to lead us and guide us. May he strengthen us for our, our every day as we walk with him and in his word. May we allow him to, though. May we allow him to. I pray that that be a prayer of our lives in the morning or, you know, whenever it is that we pray. Lord, lead me, guide me, show me the way. And lastly, as we, as we begin to pray here, may we ingest and digest all of his word, all of it. All of it. From Genesis to Revelation, everything in between. May we read it all. May we ingest it all. May we study it all. May we just dive into it. May we just dive into his word and take it all in. Amen. For it is all profitable, whether for ourselves or for others that we can share it with. Father God, Lord, we know how powerful you are. We know how good you are, Lord. Father, I know how good you are personally in my life. I thank you for all you've done, for all you're doing, for what you will only do. That, Father, I can't even imagine what you'll do, continue to do in my life. But, Father, I pray and I lift up every person <coughs> listening right now, Lord God. I pray that we would know your glory, that we would know the glory of God, as, this, as that is the theme of this book, Lord. That, Father God, as, as Ezekiel had this vision, Lord God, of you and of your greatness, Father God, may we have a vision of you, Lord God. May we just have a new revelation of you, Lord God, in our lives. Father God, help us, Lord God, draw close to you, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, recommit our lives to you if that's what we need to do. Help us, Lord God, draw closer to you. Father God, help us, Lord God, guide us and lead us, Lord God. Help us see you fresh every day, Lord God. Help us not grow stagnant in you. Maybe we're stagnant, Lord God. Maybe we've become stagnant. I don't know what it is, Lord. But Father, if we've become stagnant in you, Lord God, let us be refreshed, Lord God. Let us be those, those living waters that, that run, Lord God, that flow freely, Father. And so, Father, I pray for everyone here, for everyone listening, Lord God, Father, if they need a touch from you, Lord God, I pray that you touch and refresh and strengthen as only you can, Lord God. I pray that we all allow you, Lord God, to guide us and lead us and to be with us, Lord God. May we draw upon you. May we turn to you. May we run to you, Lord God. And may you, Father God, strengthen us, Lord God, for every trial, for every ordeal, for every hardship, for everything that's coming our way, that is in our way, that is upon us right now, that we will come upon one day or whether we're going through it right now. I don't know, Lord. But Father God, may we turn to you for that strength, Lord. 
May we turn to you to not be afraid as you encourage Ezekiel to not be afraid, Father. But Father, guide us and lead us and be with us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, read your word. Help us be in your word, Lord God, every day. Help us, Lord God, remind us, Lord God, to spend that time in your word, to ingest it, to read it, to just lose ourselves in it, Lord God. And Father God, to have that time with you, that communion with you, that communication with you, that relationship with you, to make that time, Father God, to seek you and to pray to you and just be and spend time with you, Lord God. Father God, I pray all this, Lord God. I pray this upon the people here, upon myself, Lord God. I pray this upon the people listening, Lord. And I just pray that you move as only you can, Lord God, that you touch, that you strengthen, Lord God, and refresh as only you can, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you, Father God, and we ask all this in the blessed name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.